Today's guest is Miles Lambert, Executive Vice President at Bright House Financial. Miles is a highly accomplished wealth management professional with proven leadership in financial services. He's here to talk about how the life insurance industries continue to evolve and the importance of understanding a client's always changing needs throughout their lives. Much like everything in the industry, the more adaptable you are to the evolution of trends, the better prepared you'll be to help your clients. I'm Paul Blanco, and this is Small Steps, Big Wins. Welcome to the show, Miles Lambert. I'm so glad to see you. I wish that we were doing this in person, but I feel like we're we're together and I had just seen you recently. So it's really great seeing you and thank you for being on Small Steps, Big Wins. We're really excited about the show today. And, you know, I know that you've been in the business 25 years this month and which congratulations on that, which thank is- you, an amazing business and you've done so much so quickly in this career because I feel like, you know, a line that I use at Barnum all the time is we're just getting started. And I feel like I could say that about you. And I was very fortunate to have you come into my life professionally and personally 11 years ago, and I've enjoyed every minute of that. So I'm excited to uh, pick your brain a little bit today and share some of your perspectives on the industry, where it is, where it's going, and uh, some of the things you've accomplished already. So let's dig right in here. I mean, 25 years, why'd you come into the business? Why financial services? And uh, what got you here? Well, uh, Paul, as always, it's great to be with you. And I echo your comments. I wish we certainly could be together in person, but it was great catching up over breakfast a few weeks ago. So uh, it's an honor to be here with you and spend a little time. Thank together. you. So, so um, geez, 25 years, it seems like a long time. Um, I feels like it went by real fast, but, you know, just like any other kid coming out of college, I wasn't exactly sure. Uh, what I wanted to do. And, um, you know, went through the career fair at my college and had the opportunity to secure a bunch of interviews. And I was granted the opportunity to come work for a major Wall Street firm. And the opportunity that was presented to me was to work, in essence, on a sales desk supporting a life insurance business at that organization. And it was attractive to me for a few reasons. First, it was a competitive type of role. I, I like the idea of being in sales. You can certainly measure and benchmark yourself versus your peers. Um, I was told that if I was any good in the role, that the role would have a certain level of autonomy associated with it. And that sounded pretty good. Um, and then lastly, um, it seemed like there was some real upside from a compensation perspective. If I performed well, um, compensation can improve over time. And that was certainly... Um, attractive as I was starting my career off. Um, and then a little bit about life insurance products. I was intrigued to learn more. I think, you know, most of us understand what protecting solutions are all about, but um, I could see the value in this product set and I was intrigued to learn more about it. So I took the opportunity and frankly, I've never looked back. Yeah, it's amazing. And obviously you took some great steps from that role and 
when I think of financial services, it's a it's a huge word that we use, right? Like we'll say we're in the insurance space or we're in the, the wirehouse or on Wall Street, but it's all considered financial services. When you think of from when you came in to today, what are some of the major changes you've seen, you know, in the evolution of this industry? Yeah, you know, a lot has changed, but a lot is still very similar as it relates to when I started back in the business 25 years ago. I, I think the biggest change that I've seen is on a few different fronts. The, the first was that you know, 25 years ago, you, you led quite a bit with product. You led quite a bit with product. Um, and I think what's happened over time for the benefit of our customers and our clients is that more often than not, most of your better advisors now lead with planning and the product solutions become a part of the planning process. So I think that's been a big shift in the industry. The other shift that's been quite noticeable is the shift from more commission-based products to fee-based structures. Um, And I think fee-based structures in a lot of instances make sense, depending on whatever it is the advisor and the customer are looking to accomplish. Um, And I believe that trend is only going to continue to grow. And I guess the last thing I would say is kind of the evolution of simpler, lower cost products is very much more in vogue today, you know, with passive type of investment opportunities at lower cost structures than it was in decades past. So those are a few of the trends that I've really noticed, you know, throughout my career. Well, it's interesting because when you think about the business 25, I, I've been in the business, actually, uh, this is my 30, wow, 33rd year in the business. And, you know, started out very similar to you in the life insurance vertical sales space, right? Yeah, sure. And I've watched the evolution. Do you see with planning now today that it's very hard to be a siloed advisor and not be able to offer all of those products that you just spoke about a lot of different products, right? Do you think it's very difficult today to do that on your own? Yeah, I mean, look, I think you can always build out an expertise in, in, in a few product areas or one product area to be a specialist um, at some of these organizations. I think being an advisor, um, it would be difficult to just kind of be honed in on a couple of different products. I think you have to take a comprehensive, holistic planning approach to meet your customer needs. Now, there are obviously different customer segments, right? So um, the level of planning may change based on um, net worth or where they're at as it relates to their life cycle. But I think generally speaking, to be a successful advisor in today's market, you have to have an approach that's very holistic as it relates to whatever the wealth management and planning needs of the client are. Yeah, it's interesting. Thank you. And I'll come back to that. You know, as I'm sitting here listening to you and obviously starting out where you are, but the bulk of your career, you've been in a leadership role and leading lots of other people and helping the end user, meaning the customer from a different level. And the further you get away from that desk role to roles that you've been in, in your career, but you've done a really good job. And I know I really enjoyed the coaching you gave me as a leader, but I'd like you to talk about, because you've been very big on and I'll, and I'll generalize this, right? One of my favorite business books is Good to Great. 
And in good to great, they have the hedgehog theory, right? Do what you really do and do it really well. But you've taken that to a a different level in your leadership. So give me a little bit of the philosophic part of that before we dig more into the industry, because as you're speaking, that's a point that a lot of people in our business are afraid to say no to certain things and not stay a little more narrow, even though it's not really narrow, it's broad, but it's broad focused. Yeah. I I mean, I think like anything else, um, you have to have a plan, right? You have to have a vision, not only for yourself and your career, but your business. Right. And I guess the way I've kind of thought about it, frankly, no matter um, what part of the journey I've been in on my career is, you know, how do I really kind of differentiate myself as it relates to the things that I believe that I'm good at, the things that I enjoy doing, really kind of focus in on those areas and and use it as an opportunity to differentiate myself so that I can be successful. But also at the same time, you have to you have to have a great understanding of the totality of it is what you're doing, right? And and you can never have whether you're an advisor, whether you're a leader, a blind spot in your approach that could hamper your success or hamper the success of your team or your business. So that's the way I've always kind of approached it. You know, really kind of focus in on my strengths and the things I enjoy doing but making sure I'm not ignoring the totality of my role or what's happening in the business or what's happening within the industry so that, you know, my approach, my team's approach is very much well-rounded so that we can be successful on many different fronts. But you're doing that very intentional in terms of who you're surrounding yourself with. And I think as you get longer and, and older in this career, more experienced, you're you get the opportunity as you move up the chain to give up some of the things that you don't like to do and then surround yourself with those great people, but still have that product coming to the end. So talk a little no, bit. No, about I mean, no, no doubt. I mean, you, you know, one of the things that I learned very early on in my career is that the most successful leaders um, are afraid to se- surround themselves with top talent, you know, but I think the key is just like any good team, any good business, any good enterprise, um, the team has to be well-rounded, right? So when I think about building out a, a team, right, you know, a corporate team, a business, a business unit, um, it's got to be complementary in nature, right? There's got to be diversity amongst the team, right? So to your point, it allows me to focus in on the things that I feel that I'm good at, that I enjoy doing, and you do have the opportunity to then plug in talent, okay? That's exceptionally strong in areas that you might not be. So that overall, like I was saying a moment ago, the totality of the business unit is strong where you can compete in a variety of different ways. Yeah. So for many of the advisors that are listening in today, I think it's a really important point. And we use this word scale, but what you're talking about is scaling a business, right? With complementary skills. I think one of the dangers I've seen, Miles, in the industry is teams come together And they have the same skills, even if it's a corporate structure or an individual advisor team. And then they wonder why they can't grow a certain part of their business or a certain aspect. And what you just said was as a leader, you have to be really, really comfortable in your own skin and know that as long as you continue to grow your own skills, it's okay to have really smart people around you to to continue. That's probably the proudest thing as a leader when you see that happening. 
and you reflect back on the impact you made on people's lives. So Yeah. And, and bringing it back to the advisor and bringing it back to the most successful advisor teams that I have worked with in my career, it is about that diversity of expertise amongst the team, right? And to your point, um, if the team is over-concentrated with people that are very strong as it relates to investment management or very strong pertaining to planning, um, or there might be very strong team members associated with protection, like that, that's too much concentration in a given area, right? You want to have that level of expertise across the entire spectrum of the team so that you can best serve your customers and your clients um, and that the team overall can have more success. Yeah. Uh, and and I think that's a, a piece of the industry that still needs to uh, catch up a little bit to some other industries in doing that really well, but great point. So staying on that, like we look at this industry and we look at the trillions of dollars that are in going to be in motion in the next 20 some odd years. We talked about the boomers for many years in our industry. Like, where do you see the industry heading? And, you know, I've always been one of the people when I hear a lot of noise around the industry, you're one of the first people I call to say, hey, Miles, what do you think's going on? And where do you think it's going? So give me a little insight on what, what you're seeing and what you're reacting to. Yeah. So I think specifically as it relates to, you know, protection type products, life insurance and annuity solutions. Um, I, I think we have to continue to evolve as it relates to providing education around the benefit of these products, right? I, I think, unfortunately, there's been a number of other organizations that talk about some of the shortcomings associated with these products. You know, I, I think we got to make sure that, you know, um, our customers, our clients see the value in these products. They understand the benefits that these products can provide. So I think specific to the insurance business, that's something that we need to continue to work on. That's general education. As it relates to overall, you know, financial services, overall wealth management, I think a couple of um, I think a couple of things come to mind, right? I think you're starting to see convergence as it relates to different support models. And I think that's only going to continue, right? And we need to take a step back and think about what do consumers want, right? And consumers want to do business on their terms. Um, and they their expectation is that it's up to us to make sure that doing business with us is easier now than ever before, right? Uh, customers, clients, they expect you know a modern digital approach as it relates to the experience they're looking for from whomever their provider may be. So I think that you'll continue to see the evolution of our distribution support models continue, meaning that customers are going to want some experience as it relates to transaction transactions on their own, being able to do it digitally and virtually, right? I mean, you know, it's table stakes. If you want to buy a stock now, right? If you want to sell a stock or buy a bond, you know, there needs to be digital tools in order for a customer to transact. But then when you think about the full spectrum of what a client may need, right? You know, there's comprehensive planning. We keep talking about planning that needs to happen, right? It could be retirement planning, estate planning, whatever the case may be. I believe customers are always going to look to the advice of an advisor when it comes to more complicated financial planning matters. So what does that support model look like? What does that omni approach look like from wealth management organizations so that they can serve, you know, the full spectrum of what the customer's experience needs to be. But I guess in addition to that, what I would also say is 
I think the industry needs to continue to evolve as it relates to simpler product, right? Being offered at a lower cost, right? And we talked about that a little bit earlier. You know, I think we've done a good job of that on a number of different fronts as it relates to different product categories, as it relates to making the products a little bit simpler for the customers to understand. That also helps with the education process. We just talked a few moments ago. And then the access points to get these products are less expensive than they've been in the past. I think that's how our industry continues to evolve. Yeah, but I, as you were talking about like diversity of the approach, I don't know if, you know, you can do that as a team sometimes. I think you need someone behind you to to plug into and it needs to be done jointly. I agree with you. But as I look at some of the products today, like you use annuities as an example, they're getting more complex versus simpler. Maybe some of them have gotten simpler, but many of them have gotten more complex and they're great tools. But I don't know if the average consumer could actually come back and explain it the way some advisors are pushing it on the marketplace or adding it to their thing. So I agree with you. It has to get simpler. Yeah. But can can they get simpler? Yeah, I think and I think you've seen it. I think you've seen it happen already, right? I agree with you, right? That there are still some really complex products in, in the marketplace today. But I think you've seen it on the asset management side. I think you've seen it on the annuity side a bit, where there are some offerings out there that are simpler than maybe other current offerings and absolutely simpler than some of the offerings we've seen in the past. And, and those products have gained some real traction, right? And I think as an industry, that's where we need to continue to challenge ourselves, right? How do we continue to make our offering more appealing to um, a broader audience? And I think the way you do that is by making sure your offering, your product set, your product solution is as simple as it possibly can be, and that it's being offered you know, at different cost points so that there's more access to more consumers. So to that, as you see the need getting greater, advisors need to be more planners. I do see one thing, as you see all the stats, the industry maybe isn't shrinking, but it's not growing. It's been pretty flat. The need is getting greater in the industry. So being a financial advisor today is, we pretty much say this every year, but it's getting better as an FA. Right. But the industry has not done a great job of having enough of them. And when you look at the age, what do you think is, I mean, what's your opinion on that? And what do we do to fix it? Yeah, I think that um, the, the demographics and the aging population of our advisors um, is, is certainly something that I keep an eye on. Right. And, and as you said, you know, a few moments ago, you alluded to it a few moments ago. Um, you know, you don't have the same scale and size with some of the career systems, some of the other channels that used to do a lot of recruiting and developing as it relates to bringing you know new talent into our industry. I do believe that advisor teaming as it relates to the path forward of bringing new advisors into the business um, and having the training and development happening at the local level will be key to our success moving forward. And I've seen a number of firms, including Barnum, kind of frankly do it as well as any firm that I've ever seen, you know, Thank implement you. a team selling structure and then have a coordinated plan as it relates to bringing new talent into the organization through that 
team selling structure and be successful as it pertains to um, the next generation of talent. So I think that's needed. But um, I would also say that, you know, it's it's along the lines of what we were just talking about a moment ago, right? You know, I think that as we continue to evolve as an industry, you know, maybe there's not the need for the same number of advisors that we've had in the past as we continue to automate and deliver products in a different way based on some of the technology platforms that continue to emerge in the industry today. And I know you're leveraging a lot of those platforms as well, right? Because there are a number of different, you know, customer segments that we want to connect with. And as I said a few moments ago, you know, with some customer segments, you know, the access point from a price standpoint and the planning and or the products that are needed can be delivered, okay, digitally. And that's better for the customer. It's better for the client. While, you know, the more comprehensive planning that needs to happen will continue to get done at the advisor level. So having that comprehensive approach to how we support different customers and distribute different products, you know, with an emphasis on technology, I think will be key to the success, our success moving forward. Well, it's interesting. We started this journey on um, here at Barnum on using Zoom-like tools. It wasn't Zoom originally six or seven years ago. And I remember one of my advisors speaking to him on a Saturday afternoon and I was at my son's soccer game. It was two o'clock. And I said, what are you doing? And he said, I'm going into the office to meet with a client from Philadelphia. This advisor was in New York. And I said, oh, you're getting on the train. What are you you're driving in the traffic? And he said, no, I'm, I'm using like go to meeting. And this is my third meeting. The client's moving their whole net worth to me. And I said, doesn't the client want to at least shake your hand? And he said, no, she doesn't. She's really happy. And that was like six years ago. And then, you know, one of the goods of the pandemic is I would say, as you were saying what you were saying about the shortage of advisors and what we have to do, all I keep thinking is, wow, if advisors can scale their practice with newer people in very specific roles with with Zoom today or Teams or whatever tool they decide to use, they can literally get in front of 15, 20 more clients a week and still give that same personal feeling, just like you and I are doing today on this podcast. And we would have never thought that three years ago. No, I I mean, the advances in technology have created efficiencies. And that was my point, have have created efficiencies that probably allow us as an industry to remain very effective with, you know, a population of advisors that continues to potentially shrink a little bit. Yeah. And when you think, when I think of digitalization, I first think of how they buy the product, but also how you meet the client. You said it earlier, meet the clients where they want to be met. You can still see them face to face, but if they're, I think clients like to just hit the button and say, see you later. They don't have to walk you out of their yeah. office or drive somewhere and sitting traffic. I think it's everyone won on that situation and we got more efficient. And I think the kids of today that are coming in, they're so tech savvy. What a great way for them to lead into this business. So, you know, I think it's a great general conversation. If you're sitting out there as advisors, because I'm still surprised when I meet with experienced producers. There are some that still haven't bought into that concept yet, and they're going to get left behind if they don't. Yeah, I mean, I just, you know, 
personal story myself. I mean, you know, what, when it comes to meeting with my CPA every year to do my taxes or um, a couple of times with my attorney um, since the pandemic, I mean, to your point earlier, my preference is absolutely to do it virtually. Um, it's just so much more efficient. Now, you know, there's always an element of trust that needs to be established in these relationships. And, and, and those two instances that I just referenced, I've been working with those professionals for professionals for years. But to your point, you know, once the trust is established, the level of efficiency that exists today, whether it's video technology or some of the digital platforms that I referenced a few moments ago, allow us to all be that much more effective in our jobs. Yeah, it's amazing. So thank you for that. Let's uh, switch gears for a minute. So at, you know, I've obviously worked with you for 11 years, but half of that time has been with you and your role at Bright House that I spoke about earlier. You brought some unique things to the industry, I believe, and especially to Bright House where you are today. And you have this expert panel that you have that you've worked with to help FAs and companies to continue to see, I'll say where the puck's going and to help them to better serve their clients. Can you give me a little more on that? Yeah. So, so the short of it is we, um, we hired out a bunch of different level experts across a variety of different topics to, to support our advisors as it relates to things that we think are important to them or important to their um, their client base, right? So um, it's kind of a think tank unique to Bright House that we can provide a certain level of expertise to advisors on a number of different fronts. Um, but I guess taking a step back, the reason why we did it is that we're, we're really kind of challenging ourselves to add value to either firms or advisors outside of just being a product manufacturer. You know, I'm very proud of the products that we manufacture and distribute. But as you know, Paul, this is an incredibly competitive industry that we're in. You know, you have to be able to differentiate yourself in other ways. And I think this insights panel has allowed us to do that because, you know, we always challenge ourselves internally on how do we help an advisor build their business? Like how are the different ways that we can potentially add value outside of just having good competitive product? And I feel and like you have to do that. That's, that's table stakes. at this And point. you, and you have, so keep going though. So, and I appreciate that. Yeah. So, you know, we've tried to do it on a number of different fronts, whether it's, you know, other initiatives um, that our marketing organization um, is responsible for. We do a lot around data and analytics I, I think we've been doing a nice job of providing advisors with digital tools to help them within their business. Um, but the insight panel, we get a lot of favorable feedback on. And, and whether it's the insight panel or a few of the other things that I just mentioned, we're always challenging ourselves on how do we be more than just a product manufacturer and distributor to our advisors? How do we engage with them to actually help them build their business? And I think this is just one good example of that. Well, I think it's great too, because when you're we call it like supported independence out here and you have lots of choices. And when you get value from places, I find that people gravitate to those choices if, if it's there for them to take. So I think it's a big differentiator for you. Yeah. And we use those insight panelists to be guest speakers at certain events, as you know, provide content for us regarding whatever um, their level of expertise may be. Um, and we're going to continue to figure out other creative ways that we can create content or deliver 
you know, whatever information is needed to our advisors so that, again, we can play a small role in helping contribute to their overall business. I love it. Well, I know that, uh, you know, you were an athlete for the bulk of your life. And I feel like you made this commitment to, you know, the last few years really to get back to your fitness level that you wanted to. Does it change your daily routine or now is it part of it? Or talk about that journey, because I find that people come into this industry from the athlete, you know, as an athlete, and then some of them lose some of those habits along the way because they get so entrenched in the competition and growing. And then you have to rail yourself back in. And, you know, I think you've done an amazing job of that. So what's it done to your daily routine now? Like, how has that changed in your life? Yeah, you know, um, great question. And um, I, I think like many, you know, the pandemic gave me the opportunity to kind of level set a bit, right? And and sometimes, you know, we get so focused on our habits. Some of them are good and some of them are bad, right? No doubt. And I'm a believer that human beings are habit forming by nature, that sometimes you need the opportunity to kind of hit the reset button. And, and you know, the pandemic, um, as awful as it was, you know, did a, did a lot for me, right? And, and, you know, my approach, and I try to take this approach with my team, I try to take this approach with my business, like, you know, we have to try the, to find some of the silver linings that may exist with this, this awful situation being a global pandemic. Um, and I think we talked about some of them already from a business perspective as it relates yep. to some of the technology and digital advancements that came out of it. But personally, for, for me, it, it helped me on a few different fronts. The first is that I recognized that a lot of what I was doing in person on the road all the time, because, I mean, you knew my travel schedule it was, yep. it was extensive. Um, a lot of it could be done virtually. And, and I'd start with my family. That has given me the latitude to say no to a lot of in-person things because I can accomplish a lot virtually, whether it's via Zoom or Teams or some of these other platforms we spoke about earlier. Um, so I've, I've been around more and made, you know, some of the important things, you know, for it, whether it's my kids or my wife that I needed to be at that sometimes in the past I would miss because I just didn't have the education that I can accomplish as much. Yep. Virtually, right. But in addition to that, it gave me the opportunity to kind of focus a little bit more on myself as well. Right. And recognize that you can have a little bit more of a balanced approach because things, more things can be done virtually. So I just got back into the habit of making it a priority that, you know, six days a week, I'm getting back into the gym and um, yeah, I mean, and like, look, I, I always got up early. Um, but you know, when you're on the road a lot less, it's a lot easier to work out and stay into your routine. And that's kind of been my focus. So the, the pandemic really helped me to understand how to balance, you know, my personal life, and my work life a little bit better, because again, I can accomplish more virtually than I thought I could in the past. And it gave me a little extra time to kind of build in some things that I wanted to focus on, like to your point, getting really back into training hard again. Yeah. And I'm sure that it's made, you as a business person and, and a father and a husband, you know, even better. I hope so. <laughs> I, I, I think it has. And has it carried on another note, has it carried into your eating too? Cause you have access to better stuff versus eating. Yeah. On the just road just every like day? everything else. Like, look, when you're, when 
when you're traveling as much as I was at one point in time, you're out to dinner every night and, and yep. um, no matter how disciplined you are, you're not controlling the, the ingredients that are going into your food. Right. Like I, I've really made it a focus to cut gluten out of my diet, which has made a big difference, you know, for me, you know, the other big thing is, is you and I've talked about this a lot in the past, like sleep, right. Good sleep habits. Yep. And, and it's, it's t- even to this day, it's tough to sleep in a hotel room. Um, so I think the combination of, you know, having more control of your diet because you're not eating out every night, coupled with a regular workout routine and good night's sleep, it's it's all just kind of come together and it's made a it's made a pretty favorable difference for me over the last couple of years. Awesome. So in closing, you've you've impact so many lives. You probably don't even realize how many you've touched from afar, too through the work that you're doing. And like we just ended some of the professional stuff on your expert panel as an example, but you've put something together and you're impacting lives and you're impacting clients' lives. And when I came in the business, the coolest thing, it was like, it was like a double-edged sword, right? I was so young meeting with clients and realized, wow, this is like real stuff. So you have to grow up really quickly. But then I also understood the impact I was making on people's lives. Now you're doing that in spades. So when you look at yourself now, you know, the next 15, 20 years, you know, what's going to drive you and and what's, what's next on the agenda for you? You know, what are you, what are you thinking about when you get up each day? Yeah. I mean, you know, there's a couple of things that, that drive me, right. You know, and I mean this sincerely, like we're in a noble profession, right. You know, and you know, so many of the mentors in my life have have taught me that along the way, right? People, customers, clients, they need our help, right? You know, you know, as much as I keep saying, you know, more education, simpler products, lower cost products, it's great. Right. But to your earlier point, what we do is still complicated. It's still complicated, right? But it's so important. It really is so important, you know, making sure that you're protecting your family in the event that something tragic happens, making sure you're saving enough you know, for college education, making sure that you're planning for your retirement. These are all super important things, right? So what still motivates me is that I really believe that we're in a noble industry. And I really believe that we're doing our fellow citizens good as it relates to the planning and the advice we're trying to um, give them along the way. Um, So that's certainly first and foremost for me. But in addition to that, at the stage of career that I'm at, you know, um, if it's not being outwardly focused on our customers, you know, it's inwardly focused on our employees, right? And especially, you know, uh, the ones within my organization. You know, the the greatest joy that I get out of my career at the juncture that I'm at is when I can play a small part in helping somebody, influencing somebody, teaching somebody, you know, um, certain aspects of business, so that I can help them advance their career so that I can help them achieve their career aspirations. I mean, those are the two things that are still super important to me. And I love our industry, right? And and, and I think that we've had some success over the past several years. I think, you know, we're navigating a tricky macroeconomic environment right now. But what we do, I think, is important not only for our, our employees, but it's important for our fellow citizens. And that, you know, that feels good. Yeah, we need uh, we need more people in the roles that you're in to uh, think that way, because that's the key to our career. And I think as much as we, you know, we say digitally enabled advisor assisted here, 
I think that whole thing is the key, right? We have to be digitally enabled, but you need an advisor that understands the profession to really do that. So I really appreciate what you're doing because um, it's the greatest industry in the world and the impact we can make is so amazing. But as you look at the fintechs and all that, there's the emotional side that might not, that gets lost sometimes. And we need more people at the forefront of this talking like you're talking and uh, to help us with that. So, well, listen, Miles, I was very fortunate when you came into my life 11 years ago, you've been a great mentor to me in a lot of aspects. So I really appreciate that. And uh, I want to thank you for being on the show today and uh, for all your insights and keep doing what you're doing. You're making a lot of impact on a lot of lives. So let's uh, thank you, Miles Lambert. Thank you for being on Small Steps, Big Wins today. I look forward to future conversations with you. Well, absolutely, Paul. This was a blast and you've been uh, instrumental in my life. I've learned a ton from you and uh, to continue to see the success that you're having and your incredible organization continues to grow leaps and bounds. It's been fun to be on this journey with you. And I hope I hope that this is one of many conversations that we have in this type of forum moving forward. Same here. Same here. Well, go have a great rest of the day and I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Paul. Thank you for listening to Small Steps, Big Wins. Please rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Every bit helps. You can also follow us on Instagram at Small Steps, Big Wins. All opinions expressed by the program participants are solely their current opinions and do not reflect the opinions their respective parent companies or affiliates or the companies with which the program participants are affiliated. Investments or strategies mentioned in this program may not be suitable for you, and you should make your own independent decision regarding them. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, and is not intended as recommendations appropriate for you you should strongly consider seeking advice from your own investment advisor. Securities and investment advisory services offered through qualified registered representatives of MML Investor Services, LLC. Member SIPC, 6 Corporate Drive, Shelton, Connecticut, 06484, telephone number 203-513-6000.